This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. Welcome to I Will Watch Anything Once. I'm your host, Mark David Christensen. Hello, listeners. I recently saw three great movies, all with strong female characters or female-driven. First is Atomic Blonde starring Charlize Theron. Great spy-slash-action movie. There is a scene in this movie that's worth the ticket price that put my stomach in knots, so definitely check it out. Atomic Blonde. Um, Went and saw Girls Trip by Myself. A delightful movie. Ended up crying way more than I thought I was going to. Is um, just the good movie about friendship, and also I think Queen Latifah and Jada Pinkett Smith really are just wonderful actors. Um, I made a goal that I one day want to be in a movie with Queen Latifah. Definitely check out Girls Trip. Um, it's just a fun, really funny. Fun movie and um, heartwarming. And then there's The Big Sick. This is definitely um, a new favorite of the year. Um, Kumail um, wrote this with his wife. um, And it just is a delightful little story. I cried again. Always crying when I'm watching my movies. uh, If they get me. But this movie also um, features Holly Hunter, which we haven't seen for, God, I can't remember the last new movie other than 13, I think is what I last saw her when she played the mom. But man, she's great. Uh, another goal, I would love to work with Holly Hunter, but see The Big Sick. Um, I think it's a great movie. Michael Showalter um, picks a lot of cool projects. I'm, I'm a fan of him because he comes from such a goofy, fun um, comedy background, but he's been making a lot of great um, little indie movies such as this that just, this is definitely uh, getting bigger notice than just the normal uh, his normal stuff, uh, but it's definitely uh, worthy of it. Uh, it's a great movie. Uh, they say it's a rom com, but I think it goes beyond the genre and tells story is just even deeper than just that typical rom com. But it's delightful. Maybe you'll cry like me. Go see those movies. And let's get to this great episode with my wonderful guest, who is a super funny writer, actor, performer, comedian, Connie Shin. I'm here with Connie Shin. Hello. And we just watched The Love Witch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great. So we'll just jump right in, Connie. Um, so just for, to start off, though, for those out there that have seen this, but you know, reminder, and also mostly for those that have possibly not seen the movie, mm-hmm. give us a, a little short um Story synopsis of The Love Witch. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the Love Witch is an indie film. It was made in 2016 by a woman named Anna Billier. And it's about a woman named Elaine who's living in San Francisco. And she is basically a witch. And she's obsessed with finding a man. And she's using magic to do it. But it keeps going uh, gruesomely wrong. 
Yeah. Great. That's it. Oh, and it's filmed in the style of uh, 70s, I want to say, exploitation films. Yeah. It definitely has that that feel of that uh, that era mm-hmm. of the 1970s. Mm-hmm. The way it's lit and everything, costuming, mm-hmm. props, a high attention to detail. Oh, extreme. Mm-hmm. Every scene is full of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's almost Wes Anderson-y. Yeah. Yeah, like, like not to that degree, but definitely the de- the 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 attention to every, detail. Every is that. frame was accounted for. With yes, this. very vibrant movie. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Very vibrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. And the big question is, why did you want me to see this movie, Connie? Well, you said you tried. Well, one, the challenge was to choose a movie you have not seen, <laughs> so that narrowed the scope. And then um, my immediate thought. Like, I'm obsessed with this movie. Uh, I have seen it at least 30 times. Right. Um, I saw it at CineFamily, so I first saw it in a theater, which I highly recommend, because I heard you laughing a bit throughout it, and imagine a theater of people laughing along with you. I definitely think this movie, the best experience would probably be with Mm -hmm. a crowd. Yeah, with a crowd in a theater. And... um, uh yeah, it's just uh I came up with a list of movies for for you to watch and um I ended up choosing this one because one I love this movie and two I feel like um this isn't something you would probably see like you personally. Okay. Um cuz it's uh one, it's so genre specific, and two, it's so women heavy. Like, I don't know any straight guys who have seen this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. So those that's mainly like just knowing who I am. You probably be like you wouldn't have gone out of your way to see. I this. don't. I don't see. Imagine myself running into you and be like, I just came from seeing the Love Witch. <laughs> right. I just saw the Love Witch. And I, my first question would be like, Oh, who made you go see it? <laughs> that's so funny. Who? Yeah. Because like, I mean, after having seen it, like, can you say? This is something I probably would have gone to see on my own. No. There we go. And I knew about it and I didn't go. I remember like, I think I walked it. The, I think I became aware of it two ways. I think maybe slash film, which mm-hmm. I, re- I read regularly or at least read their headlines regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, talked about it, I think last year. And mm-hmm. then also I think uh, Marie Lively, who's like a manager at UCB, I think was watching a trailer for it. Oh, yeah. I and heard I about pro- it. Yeah. yeah. How'd you hear about I it? I heard about it from Ariana Lenarski. Okay. She posted about it on Facebook and I clicked on it and I was like, holy, I saw the trailer and I'm like, holy crap, where, when can I see this? Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to go see it with Joan Ford at CineFamily and it was the paintings from the movie were hanging in the lobby. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because the creator of the film, Annabelia, she did all the paintings. Oh. Yeah, like all the costuming, the food that you saw she made. Right. So it was like a real love child. And it was so dope seeing. I have some photos on my phone of the paintings. But yeah, they're just as delightful in person. And yeah, well, the reason I chose this movie, because I, I feel like it says a lot about me, the fact mm-hmm. that it's one of my favorite films. Two of my favorite films last year were The Love Witch and Green Room. Very, I have seen The Green Room. Yeah, it yeah. was We've talked about this prior, yeah. outside of this, that um, it is was my favorite movie of last year, mm-hmm. hands down. Mm-hmm. These are very two different movies. Yes, <laughs> yes. 
Um, I gave you a list of other movies to watch, but then uh, uh, some of them are like a little heavy, like Watership Down. That's heavy. Mm-hmm. I've read the book. Never seen the movie. Um, Perfect Blue. That's a Japanese movie. That's going to be heavy. What's that about? It's basically um, it's animated. But it's not I wouldn't classify it as anime. Okay. And it's basically about it's about a girl who's in a pop group and she leaves to go solo and begin an acting career. But it's a very sinister dark movie and basically Black Swan lifted a lot from it. Okay. This was made I think in the early nineties or eighties. Oh wow. Yeah, but it is an amazing film. Like it's just the way the the way it's shot, um uh the story, the acting, it's just like you could tell Black Swan lifted a lot from it. All right. Lifted or are you thinking just inspired by it? Both. Both? Cool. Because there's literally a, you know, this, do you remember, have you seen Black Swan? Yeah, it's one of my faves. Okay. I, Darren Aronofsky is like one of my tops for The me. scene where she's on the train and mm-hmm. you see her reflection look at her. Okay. That shot was taken from Perfect Blue. All right. Yeah. And it's always been a weird I saw the movie a few years ago, but it's always been a dream of mine to be like, I would love to remake a live action version of it. Yeah. I mean, it's not necessary, but uh, if you look at the, that might be my roommate coming in. That's uh, fine. Um, but Here comes hey. your roommate. Oh, it's Tim Greer. I forgot. That's where he lives here. Hello, Tim Greer. We're just doing you? a podcast We're about good. Movies. We're just recording. We're just <laughs> doing podcasts. We could cut this all out, so it's okay. <laughs> No, uh, it's totally you're fine. fine. You're fine. We just you you brought food witch. and I'm hungry, so it's, it's a the temptation. We well, saw it together. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the heat. I love it. I'll, I'll close it. Yeah, we can take care of it. You don't need to worry I'll about close it. it. Yeah, we'll take care of it. <laughs> we feel safe. Good. You got a package? Yeah. What'd you get? And a blueberry. Oh, what nice. movie? What Blu-ray did you get? Time after time. Time after time. That's the one where uh, H.G. Wells goes after the uh, Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Damn. Great. Old school. Um, you too. It's okay. No, it's all good. Yours to your home. Um, but you were saying. You're talking about that other movie that we didn't watch, but that's fine. So you're saying, oh yeah, the other the other movies I sent you, they were all very heavy. Um, and this one, it's so like I, I love heavy movies. Like my my one of my favorite films was Green Room from last year, right? And it's definitely it's a dark, it's a violent. it's a it is a heavy film. But the thing is, like, um, I don't know. I just this has. I love I I love heavy movies, but I also love campy movies. Mm-hmm. I love campy movies. Uh, I and for me, this had this was campy, but it also had some sinister elements to it, and it also felt weirdly light. And I felt like this would be a great uh, intro into my world. I guess great. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? What? Oh, and uh, one of the reasons I fell in love with this movie was. Um, Considering it was made so recently and it looks authentically seventies, immediately I think that's what stands out to me is like how I don't even think it's just the look. I would say that the director and the filmmakers 
I feel like anybody can take this look and we've seen it imitated before like mm-hmm. that, that feel. Mm-hmm. I think it was more so even deeper than that was like the the shots were very like that style. Mm-hmm. The editing particularly like things were edited long in a sense where I felt like it was from that era. Mm-hmm. Like even like the, the burlesque bar felt like the way it was shot felt like I thought there was going to be a new musical number. Yeah. I kept going like, this feels like there West was a Side musical fucking... number, not there, but yeah, right. But it felt like West side story. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like in that sense, like the way the sets were and stuff like, um, and I was like, Oh, they really nailed down what they wanted. Like that feel of it. I realized the one connection I had, uh, among the films that I recommended to you is they all made me think differently about filmmaking. Okay. How did this mo- movie make you feel? Uh, it made me, considering it was made recently, it made me very aware of lighting. Oh, oh I mean, it's very bright. Yeah. Cause like I was reading about it and, um, and I didn't realize like movies used to look like this, but all of a sudden everything got really dark yeah, I think Gordon Willis is one of the people that really brought that change in with Godfather. Mm-hmm. Because you started letting people, like, pe- people be in shadow. Yeah. Versus we have to see everything. Yeah. Because, like, like the, if you go from the 70s cool. to the 80s, like, all of a sudden everything got real grim looking. Mm-hmm. And I think it has to do with the political climate. Like, all of a sudden people stop trusting their government. For sure. I and, think you could track it to that off for yeah, sure. Yeah, like everything, the colors got darker, Every people looked greasy at times, and... Uh, and uh, also it's, I think, film saying that we don't want to, like, we don't want to... It's when filmmakers started not wanting to, and they... More in the American scheme, because like if you you could track back that, like, Italian film was already doing it with mm-hmm. their new neorealism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are still, you could probably maybe argue those are still a little bright too, mm-hmm. but America started to be like, we want our cinema to reflect reality, yeah. our world we're in versus, I think at that point through the forties and fifties, possibly the sixties, cause I don't really know that much about sixties. It's all sort of like a heightened reality, right? Yeah. And I think finally in the seventies, it was like, no, we want it to be, Yeah. we want it to look like my, how, what our world. Like to a certain extent, this was a fantasy with the bright colors and different textures. Um, But yeah, it's so interesting seeing what happened before everyone got jaded, like truly jaded. Yeah. And uh, we had Doris Day before people got jaded. But uh, I was curious about the lighting because I I recently shot a short film last year and I was so curious because like I noticed um, there were scenes we had that were lit differently from other scenes. And Mm -hmm. I was like. Well, I'm so curious. Uh, we don't use lighting like that anymore, except in game shows. Right. Yeah, that level of lighting you'll only see in game shows. Not reality shows, game shows. And it's it's an obscene amount of lighting. Mm-hmm. And But the thing is, everything looks immaculate. Yes. So I'm just... It's such an interesting choice to be like, all these lights gotta go. And... Um, uh, yeah, and it's interesting to see filmmakers try to bring it back. Because, like, it, it does create... It, it really dives you into a different world because nothing looks like that. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Um, who's another film... I mean... I Wes me- Anderson. Yeah, Wes Anderson is the one I immediately thought of. Mm-hmm. It's like... Everything on his is lit, like, you can't get brighter. <laughs> yeah, and you don't... There's no part of the frame... Like, Shadow's almost gone Mm-mm. completely. Like, there's an Asperger's level of 
attention to detail, yes. which this film also had for sure. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's if you've never seen it before, I think it's definitely worth seeing at least once. I I can tell you right now, it's not everyone's cup of tea. It's and we'll jump into it. like it's not mine, hundred <laughs> percent. There's no way. There's no way. I would be lying to you if I was like, yeah, this was. I loved this. I walked through it. I was like, I want to watch it again. Uh, I respect it uh-huh. because I do think what they the filmmaker made a very bold very bold choices yes. and they achieved every choice mm-hmm. to uh to the degree of success mm-hmm. um does that make sense like yes they clearly were like i want this to style i want this style of look i want this style of acting mm-hmm. and so forth yeah um and i was like great you achieved it to success i think a lot of people that are movie buffs now would probably be like we understand you were trying to make a very specific choice. The thing is, we no longer agree with those choices. Yeah, like that's how I feel. Like I almost would be like, I want to see you use this this way, this brightness. Mm-hmm. But then also like I want you to strip away certain things that I kind of just can't handle. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, like I don't have almost the patience for anymore. My yeah. brain like, and then it's not even, a, and I, and it's not even like, and I say that with a caveat of like, I'm not somebody that needs to have things p- paced fast or like, it's not yeah. even my attention span. Mm-hmm. It's just more so of like, oh, it's like that choice to make the acting that that style mm-hmm. is almost aggravating. <laughs> it's almost aggravating for me because I'm just like, God damn it, be realistic. Just like, like, oh, you're acting. You're all acting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's a conscious choice and they, they the thing is, I will, I will again respect it because they stuck to it. Yeah. They, they, everybody, everybody achieves it to the degree of like, yep, every actor is nailing it. There's nothing half-assed about this movie. No. Everyone's acting choice is either very, very flat or very, very... Yes. It's those two, this very, those two degrees. Which I think is more, I don't even know if it's 70s. It's 60s, I think. Yeah, it's almost 60s. And I feel like I don't know enough about 60s cinema. Because I think we go from 40s to 50s. Then I think there's an era that I don't think is taught in school so much. Yeah. And and why is because I think there's, I don't know what, I can't tell you what's in there. Mm -hmm. But then you jump into 70s where everybody was saying yes to everything. And that's where you get the birth of of Scorsese cinema mm-hmm. and other other filmmakers like well, the, the the what's his name that did Exorcist and all that starts to yeah. come out of it and it's another like what American cinema considers like another like like a renaissance in well, a sense I think the reason uh this acting style uh might infuriate a lot of people is because <laughs> it's based on the type of movie that you would not learn about in film school right pulp movies like I'm looking like right after the movie ended, I clicked on I because I I uh, I rented it from Amazon, even though I own it. Um, I clicked on the link that says customers also watched, meaning yeah. and a lot of the movies, um, they look very pulpy and stuff I've never heard of. One of them's an Elvira movie. So um, the movies that this, the genre of movie that uh, this is based on is not something you're you've you're going to has won an award. Right. And I do think that this movie, I, again, you've read about, you've seen it before. You probably, as you said, you read about it. 
I immediately was like, oh, this director made this movie to be screened at midnight <laughs> for cult fans. I would say 10 o'clock. I don't know, midnight. I don't. It just felt like that's like the ideal time for her crowd of like the people. That those are the people that would want to see it. Mm-hmm. I didn't say midnight, like, ooh, it needs to be hidden away. 10 yeah, o'clock is yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like it's for that culty audience. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was Cinefamily, not uh, Arclight. Yeah, like the people that the people that love the room to a degree of like, I love they the think room. it's. Yeah, right. I think that you would. You probably, <laughs> I appreciate the room, and when I saw it with an audience, yeah. loved it. You wouldn't, I couldn't, I can't, I'm not the type of person that wants to watch the room again uh-huh. in my living room of friends. And I think I had like people that took me to the room. They're those type of people. I've seen it like 40 times. Yeah. You're, I'm not that person. Oh man. <laughs> the One of the other movies I re- I'm remembering now I recommended was Troll 2. Uh-huh. And you said you hadn't seen it, but you I've saw the documentary, the documentary based documentary on it. The documentary is brilliant. Oh, I Best agree. Best Worst Movie. Is that what it's called? Best Worst Movie? Yeah. Or worst? Yeah. yeah. Best Worst Movie is brilliant. Yeah. It's a great movie. Um, I'd still be willing to see Troll 2 just to, yeah. to experience it. Yeah. Just like, yeah. It's uh, it's it's an experience. And I think that's what these that any movie should offer is mm-hmm. something. Yeah. There's a reason why you made it. That's why a movie like this might be like, and it's mainly like, the Renaissance scene, I think, is what drove my me crazy. What? What? Maybe what specifically I, about I think it? during it, I just realized how much I don't like Renaissance things. Oh. There's a part of me that really was like, "Oh, now I get why I never got to a Renaissance fair because I find this shit dumb." <laughs> 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 and like other and other people love it, yeah, and it's yeah, their yeah. thing. And I think I genuinely was like, "Oh yeah, you just don't like that." Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the H- other, you, even, even the other stuff, I was fine with. Like it was like the styling and the witch stuff uh-huh. and all of that. But I think that Renaissance scene really was like it felt like a fucking for me. It was such a left turn already in a movie that was living in a left turn world. Yes, that I was like, okay, cool. I like this left turn world. It's it's gonna take me. I'll admit personally, <laughs> I don't like the Renaissance scene because it it's. For the movie, it's such a strange turn of tone, and um, for a movie that's so visually lush, it 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 you it makes you super aware that extras are expensive. Yes, and, um, yeah, and for like that lush world, it was almost like that was too much. He, it felt like a dream within a dream. Yeah, and I was like, "What the f-? like." Like now my my senses are being overwhelmed by this. Yeah, whereas before they were being like sort of tantalized yes and like ooh, yay i get this little i'm I'm in a candy world yeah now it's like oh fuck i've eaten too much candy yeah it's a third beat you're you're watching a third beat (laughs) i think it's a fourth beat it's yeah it's because i think the rest of the movie after that yeah with we could spoil on here with with the detective and the insanity that happens at the burlesque of them about to burn but also raper yeah if it got very accused real fast yes very accused i'm glad you know that reference yeah. i've never uh, seen the movie but i know the reference and uh, I've, I've referenced it in a fucking <laughs> i played it this is such a dumb thing to talk about because it's improv when you talk about improv it's boring but i was like in a, a sh- movie or in a, sh- a show uh-huh. with two of my gold my good friends jen and farley mm-hmm. and it was we i was playing a robot that they were programming and mm-hmm. they put the they 
uploaded the accused to me, and that's like what drove my oh, robot Jesus. crazy. <laughs> Must find pinball machine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Must uh, have high score, then rape someone on it. Yeah, but it felt like that was the height like got to a heightened point of the movie yeah even with his death with the detective's death and everything yes but then we had gone through a fourth beat of the, this insane candy world yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i i've been to a renaissance fair and i i don't think it's for me mm-hmm. but um yeah i i, I appreciate the, the thematically what she was going for like the idea of a princess because i don't know if you remember in the very beginning you see her fantasy world and her she's dressed as a princess yeah so at some point you're gonna go f- full blown into her fantasy for sure and they did that yeah it's, it's literally like like you said that if we we're gonna kind of equate this to sort of those musicals because mm-hmm. it sort of lives in a west side world mm-hmm. west side story world right sort of yeah I'm not saying it goes full there because it's not a musical. Yeah. it's uh, It was a musical without songs. Yeah. Very, in a way, yeah. in some sense. Um, it, I mean, it was definitely pulling from Technicolor, and that's when that yeah. existed. Yeah. Um, but that, in a sense, was like in a musical, they'll have a thing called like the the dream dance that's uh-huh. in the middle of a musical. There's, yeah. It'll be very dream-esque, and it's a dance, typically. Yeah. That's what that felt like. Was that yes. was the dream sequence? Yeah, and, and what's what's hard is that when you have that dream dance, it runs the risk of uh, being boring. Yeah, and self indulgenty. I would say for the movie, sing, have you seen Singing in the Rain? I, I have. I haven't. I what, I can't remember all of it off the top. Is there a moment uh, there, where there, they do there, that? There is an el, there is a sequence that jumps to mind that I would have to say is the dream dance, where there's a. There's this dance sequence with no dialogue. Mm-hmm. He dances with a woman that's yes, never yes. properly introduced. Yes, it's like in a and big, you never vast, see her like, again. Yeah, and it's like has like she has like a very flowy like dress, yeah. and there's like might even or, be a scarf or, then, or something. Or then shit. she turns into a flapper, and then um, it's it's so abstract and self indulgent that you like right away you're like this has to symbolize something yes that's exactly the the mo- and i know now yeah. what you're talking about and that's i think exactly what this that yeah. renaissance moment was yes and you're just it's just it just it gets exhausting it really does because the gesture there was just the ge- the gesture was whoa i told you in the middle of it that it felt like i was watching a mighty python <laughs> In that mode, I was like, this feels like a Mighty Python sketch that's going too long. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, even when out of one of their movies, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if that's what she was going for. She nailed it. And again, mm-hmm. as you said, they're committing to this. There's no half-assing. No. So I want you to speak to me, like, about what this movie is. What's this movie about on the deeper levels? With feminism and yeah. that. Because, like, I can't speak to that. Yeah. I can try to be open to it and listen to what it's trying to tell me. Uh-huh. But if I was to try to, I'll be honest, if I was trying to, like, break it apart, I'm lost. I'm lost on what it's I trying would, to tell okay, me a little I, bit. I have a question, actually. I am so curious to think what your thoughts of it are on feminism. Well, fem- there's a strong thing of, like, there's empowerment in sexuality, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. I'm off. Let's, I'm for that. Yeah. But then it takes a dark turn where I get confused because it's, like, her thing, her obsession with. But then it's also, it's like, that is that just, like, a comment and, like, what 
women are have been told to want mm. to like want to be a princess and I have to have this ideal mm-hmm. and in the end it's just destructive. That's what I would walk away from it. I think you kind of nailed it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really did know what was going on. <laughs> um, I know, really. I think you did. Because I watched a bunch of interviews with her. Mm-hmm. And there is this notion of feminism in that, like, one, she's an independent woman um, who she knows what she wants. She's going to get it. She's not afraid to use her sexuality. But at the same time, she has these ideals of herself. Like, a woman is should just be pretty and be a man's fantasy but at the same time she has her own notions of a fantasy and when she um tries to fulfill it using magic uh it explodes in her face because Mm -hmm. it's a two-edged sword like a man falling for her completely it's gonna be very jarring (laughs) yeah it's gonna be suffocating for her Mm -hmm. she's just like get away from me you're a baby and um yeah just uh this fantasy of course takes a dark turn and uh i guess it's it's kind of a cautionary tale i suppose i would see that like you see the appeal of like oh she's um she's just this robotic thing that indulges a man's every whim but then it's just like uh you don't want this <laughs> yeah you don't even know and then that is the cautionary tale too is that you don't even know what she really wants other than a fantasy well the thing is i think she f- doesn't fully understand the fantasy. That's why it keeps exploding in her face. Yeah, there you go. Like, there's there's a reason why the fantasy kind of went away. That makes sense. Yeah. And it, yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm curious uh, about the choices because the way the men die. So okay, so her first husband, she killed. It seems like. Yeah. But at the same time, did she ever? I mean, the, it feels like she might have, because she, she gave him. Uh, it shows him with a goblet. Goblet, and it looks like he got poisoned. Yes. Immediately, I feel like he got poisoned. Yeah. So he died from. L- too much love. Too much love, I guess. Yeah. Consuming it. Yeah. Drinking it up. Uh huh. And then the second one, over consumed with too much love. Yeah, over consumed to the point where it. He just his, dies. His heart. His heart failed. Yes. He couldn't, he couldn't do it. He couldn't, his heart couldn't handle it. Yeah. And it shows her not also liking him like that. Yes. And then, um, the second one was a guy, I think she didn't like how needy he got. So he killed himself. Yeah. He got too needy, lost to his lust in a sense, uh-huh. and his love or love. Uh-huh. I think she, I don't think she's dealing with lust. I think she's really commenting on love. And then the third one, he didn't drink her potion so he didn't get all up in her and And she fucking killed him because he was the one he was the one so if you get the one you're gonna get destroyed anyway um i guess she was fulfilling her own prophecy i'm still trying to wrap my head around it right okay so all right so he ultimately stayed even though he didn't drink her potion right so he she didn't need the potion to get him. So he was the one. And had to kill him somehow. I'm 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 I might have been too sober for this. No, it's fine. I might have I mean I 
it's one of those things where it's like this is this is where the, the filmmakers succeeded as well is because it makes us talk about it. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, you just have to unpack it and be like, okay, what does this really mean? Because mm-hmm. it is saying a lot of just like love and because if you have the one, then you just what? What does that say about if like the one that you don't need to trick or? Mm-hmm. S- but then you just end up not wanting that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I saw her other film uh, called Viva, uh-huh. she actually stars in it. Yeah. I saw that when I looked at her IMDb. Yeah. She um, she stars in it and she it's kind of like this, too. It's a cautionary tale about feminism. Uh-huh. Well, not about feminism, but it's just the the ideal of like a woman coming into her own sexuality. And but then like it's like a it's a murky place when you fully embrace it because she starts posing for not playboy but like a version of playboy and it it kind of explodes in her face uh-huh. and it's also shot in this style and um yeah because she's trying she's married in it and she's her husband's like you're going to be home in time to make dinner right and all this stuff and yeah she, of course she can't fulfill both roles right and so it's just this whole exploring these complex issues of feminism like can a woman really live for herself but also fulfill the fantasy of a happy home uh does she really want to be a swinger and all this stuff sort of yeah. stuff but again i found myself being like i'm not 100 percent sure what i walked away with but what great visuals <laughs> yeah for sure definitely great visuals but i mean that's what makes the movie too i'll give it i'll give the director like a thumbs up of, of fours because like this notion of like she's making something very specific to what she's for herself like mm-hmm. what she's trying to probably I would guess just stuff that she's constantly figuring out or mm-hmm. or questioning on her in her daily life mm-hmm. that's what my guess is well she said that um the love witch she felt like well she jokingly said like that's what she felt like it must feel to date her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like having this idea of a fantasy and then being like, ah, I don't know if I want this. Wow. Yeah. See, and I think that's what makes it great is when someone goes so overly specific mm-hmm. um, in a, in whatever story they tell mm-hmm. becomes more relatable to the to other people. Yeah. And I don't mean to everybody because me, I'm going to be like, I maybe I don't get it all, but mm-hmm. I can try to like maybe some things like because I can see that. Yeah, because I can look at my past dating life and be like, oh, yeah, I've been like, oh, I want this. And I've had like certain things like this is cool. And then I go, but this I don't want this. Yeah, you're the whole package. I don't want. Yeah. Even though you're fulfilling this. Yeah, I think it's like <laughs> that whole exploration of like there are elements of this you're going to really like. But once you get the full package, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and but is that all based on to our own fantasies that we've built up that we were like, even those those checklists of like, this is what I want. And mm-hmm. this is like even when people are like, what's your type? Mm-hmm. Your type might get you in trouble. Yeah. If you're like, that's what I have to have. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> like there's things that you're attracted to and there's things that are good for you and they usually don't line up. Yeah, they don't. A lot of shit doesn't line up. <laughs> and in this case, for her, the love witch, it didn't line up for her either. Like, she had this idea of a prince falling madly in love with her. But it, you know, shit didn't line up. No. 
And the guy's still going to be like, you're still this and I have to do this. Mm-hmm. So the guy that you want that will love you still is going to call you out and be like, you murdered fucking people. Yeah, like I'm going to take you in still. And um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, 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 as much as I love this movie, I'm hesitant to have people watch it mm-hmm. because I already know it's not for everybody. I hear that. I I think we all have. I mean, people that love movies, I think, have that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't show Green Room to just anyone. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm not going to be like you have. I've. I, I mean, I don't know. I heard a question in that regards. In my older age, not that I were, I'm super old. I'm only 34, but in my older age, I've that part of me is stripped away that I even like things I love. I never like treat them as like you need to see this. Oh, That's yeah. almost I've dropped that from my language. Yeah. It's more of like, yeah, I loved it. You can take the fact that I enjoyed it and loved something, mm-hmm. you as an individual outside of me can take that for whatever it's yes. value. Whatever that yes. I don't know what how you're going to value that. Yes. But I don't need to care anymore. Yes. Because that's how I treat music. Like I I listen to so much music that I will love and I'm kind of just done. I will never anymore I'll go like you need to hear Marnie Stern. Mhm. Do I think everybody should? And I wish everyone loved Marnie Stern. Yes, but I'm just like, eh, I don't I'm need not to familiar fucking with Marnie Stern. Uh, what? I'm not familiar with Marnie Stern. Oh, she's fucking wonderful. I think I wish everyone did love her. I think she's a singer songwriter, and she's in the she's part of the uh, the band that's um, on Seth Meyers. Oh, okay. Uh, late night show. I see. Most um, people will know her from that if they even watch that show. I think. I think. I I feel the same way, and I think that comes from uh, wa- watching so many movies and talking about it with people, and being aware of different tastes, and on top of that, trusting your taste. Yes, like because you already know people are going to disagree. Like you can see why people would disagree, but you're like, but this is good. Yeah, you know why it's good. You know what yeah. it does for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I think that's like the fun thing too when you get older too is like taking risks. On like things, because mm-hmm. I didn't always feel this way. Yeah, like I remember. Ugh, this is so embarrassing. In college, <laughs> I bought the movie Magnolia. I saw. Th- I rented it first, uh-huh. and I did not like it. But I That's didn't okay. trust my taste, and I was like, "Oh, Connie, you just weren't watching hard enough." So I bought it, and I was like, "I'm gonna watch it until I get it." I never got it. It's. I think I'm with you on that. I think I did the same thing because I think somebody I had a good friend who I haven't seen forever but uh, and I can't even he just named it just blanked on it but he loved that movie Mm -hmm. and so when we watched it I think I thought I needed to love it because I wasn't getting it and the only thing I ever really liked from that movie was the 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 opening the short little stories yeah that was dope that I was like fuck cool I was like this is interesting awesome you're and then everything else I was like yeah get it you're it really felt good. like something I was in college at the time but even then I was like it feels like something a college student would consider their thesis oh fuck yeah like let's even put, a professor I would say would probably try to sell it yeah like something that's like i have i know a lot about philosophy here's everything i've learned yes <laughs> in one cumulative and that's probably where pete if you look at his career that's probably mm-hmm. where paul thomas anderson was at the time yeah because he went from he went from i mean boogie he, nights boogie nights is not his first though uh, his movie okay. hard eight which i think is great oh, i haven't seen that it's a very he made it with the sundance labs and stuff and it was uh, first okay. movie he was it's great and then 
and then there's that, and then Boogie Nights, and then he went to that. And Boogie Nights, is, Boogie Nights is a, is one of my favorite films. It's great, but it's also he's still sort of doing the same things. He's kind of like he's taking a huge swing. Mm-hmm. That one, I think he accomplishes it more highly, more successfully. I think he saw Magnolia. the success of Boogie Nights and was like, "People, okay, they they know I'm talented, but now I'm gonna make this." This is this made me groan. I was watching behind the scenes for it, mm-hmm. and they're, the part where they're on the game show, he's talking to the kids, and as they're shooting it, he's like, "Yeah, this movie's probably gonna get nominated for an Oscar." Blah blah blah. And I'm and I just I remember being like, "Oh fuck you!" Yeah, you now you're you're indulging yourself rather than yeah. the story. Yeah, now this isn't even a movie anymore. This is the thing that's gonna get you an Oscar, and I'm just like, "Did it get nominated? I don't know if it did. Yeah, it did. did it? It did. I know it got like Tom Cruise a nomination and all that, but I can't remember. It got it definitely got nominated for." Some something but i remember thinking i don't like this movie i don't like this movie i just don't like this movie yeah like who's your favorite character from it I'm, i think a lot of people are gonna say tom cruise but i'm like that's the only one i'm gonna say because it's such a piece of shit character that he plays so well but the, the reason <laughs> and that's the only time i really love tom cruise is because i think he plays a piece of shit so apathetically that i'm like god damn and i like him I th- well, here's the thing. I think people love Tom Cruise's character because they're aware of his prior roles. That makes sense. And so they're like uh, a chance to see Tom Cruise do but this. You know, what, you know what I would say that up to them is that they know her to his big prior roles because mm. he's played a piece of shit before. You just most it's movies you don't really know. Yeah, because Color of Money I think is one of his great roles. I haven't seen that. Color of Money is a sequel to. Um, the movie um, The Hustler mm. starring Paul Newman yeah, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's a sequel to that that Scorsese made call, and it's about him sort of <laughs> it's okay <laughs> it's okay roommate <laughs> um, and he plays this young guy that just wants to be like a hot shot hustler yeah that Paul Newman's trying to and he plays that role he's a piece of she's a little shit kid in that yeah. I love it yeah um, so I think I know, I think, I think you're right. But at the same time, I think also it's like, yeah, maybe it's also like people not knowing the full scope of what an actor has done in their mm-hmm. own full, full career, which I'm guilty of too. I've never seen the other movie he was nominated for, uh, other than Jerry Maguire, um, born on the 4th of July. Was never seen it. It's where he plays like a, 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 oh, vet, a Vietnam vet. vet. Yeah. I, I've heard it referenced so many times, but I just, I weirdly, I, I've ne- I've heard it referenced, but I've never seen clips of it either. Me either. I think maybe I've seen the cover of like the movie. I've seen the cover of the VHS for sure, but I've never seen a clip of it. Mm-hmm. Nope. And um, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess I'll get around to watching it. But yeah, I, Magnolia. Yeah. I I I have the confidence to say I don't didn't fully get, and I don't really like. Well, I, I, but I'm with you on that. You should, though, own even if you don't like something. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to blast out and be like, everybody should think the way you do, but it's the same way with Paul. And I, I, it's weird that you bring up Paul because he's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. But there's those movies where I have to just admit it's the same with Scorsese. I just be like, I really don't think bringing out the dead is that great, buddy. Yeah. It's just like, I got what you went for, but I just don't, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's and, interesting to see directors fail every now and then. Have you ever read Making Movies by Sidney Lumet? No. Read it. I have a copy of it if you want to borrow it. Okay. He, I love, I think he's 
was why he was so successful for so many years is because he he would acknowledge his failures in that yeah. book he talks about it. he's like this movie we nailed it in this movie we all were working together mm-hmm. he sees it as a full collaboration with everybody yeah and this one we just didn't do it we didn't hit the mark yeah and i think that and i'm not saying everybody vocalizes it but i think directors that have continued to work yeah treat it that way yes is that that you're just they acknowledge they if you got them, I think if you got Martin Scorsese in a room one on one, he'd admit if something worked or not. Uh-huh. He wouldn't lie to you and be like, "No, this is like, let me defend it." Yeah, because <laughs> that's when you get into crapville. Yeah, that's but, when you stop being good because uh-huh. you can't tell the difference. Yes, exactly. That's terrifying. If you can't reflect on what you achieved and what you, like, if you, you can't know. see it the way the audience sees it, you're go- you're you're gone. Yeah, for sure, and you're forgetting that why you're telling your story. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason why shitty directors stay shitty like because they don't see their shitty movies as shitty yeah like you know that director Uwe Bull was he the one that was like he did he would fight people that shitted on his movies yes and he was he did like that crazy movie that was like a guy going postal and just walking the street shooting people I heard never saw a single movie of his uh I only know uh Dungeon Siege is the the movie that <laughs> I know of his and um, they I, I only know it because they talked about it on that other podcast. How did this get made? Yeah. And it sounds horrible. But the fact that he is willing to take critics and fight them in a boxing ring, <laughs> it's insane. it shows how much he's also willing to learn, which is zero. Yeah. hundred percent zero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think and also like. Just because someone does call out your stuff doesn't – it's like that to learn. But also it's like most great directors are just like, well, I went for this and if you didn't like it, then I can't – I can't I can't change your mind. Yeah. <laughs> like they're yeah. just like that's what I made. Yeah. <laughs> Again, they respect other tastes too, right? Yeah. Um, I mean I hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean it's with I mean back to Paul Thomas Anderson it's like everybody liked his last movie and I I will I will happily say it I I what unfortunately it was the detect the weirdly Oh the one with uh, um it Joaquin, had Joaquin Phoenix in it, right? It's based on a book. It's the, by the guy who wrote um Rainbow something. Gravity's Rainbow. The guy that wrote Gravity's Rainbow. It's his book. Yeah, and I can't even think of the name right now because I don't like it that enough. And I and everybody was like trying to tell me like, no, it's good. See it again. And I was like, oh no, I'm just gonna own that. I sorry. As hard as it is to say that yeah. I don't like one of my favorite directors' movies. Yeah, I did not like it. Do you think it's uh, worth a second see? Maybe, but it, not enough that I've done it already. Because I remember this random interview I saw uh, is Woody Allen talking about when he first saw Space Odyssey 2001, he didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And then he randomly saw it again and he's and he fell in love with it. I do think that there might – I think those things sort of have to organically happen though too. Yeah, that's true. Because for me to be like I have to sit down like like you were saying like and tell myself I – I don't think you're – you haven't – then you haven't grown yourself. Because mm-hmm. like – I think there's movies like Rushmore. First time yeah. I saw it growing up, didn't get it. Oh, really? 100% didn't get it. Huh. Then I saw I can't remember how, the length between seeing it. Uh-huh. I remember my brother brought it home uh-huh. and we watched it. And I might have even fallen asleep during it and didn't get it. Huh. Then I saw it I, I, maybe a year later. Yeah. And was like, this is the best thing ever. And I finally clicked. 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that can happen, but I think if I had forced it, yeah, it, it would. He would have never still been. Yeah. Like certain I, stuff, you just have to be under the right circumstances. Like I remember the first time someone t- tried to introduce me to uh, strangers with candy. I wasn't. Yeah. I, did, I just didn't get it. But then later on, when I found it on my own, I was like, I love this. Yeah. I think Reno nine one one when I was first out, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. But then I wasn't immersed in comedy. I didn't yeah. really look at comedy through that lens yet. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, yeah, I get why that fucking movie, that show is so brilliant. Yeah. And those guys and like Tom Lennon and all that. Yeah. Um, it also depends who introduced you to it. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Like if it's someone whose taste you don't trust. It, or just some. That's the worst. Yeah. The worst when you don't. Tr- there are people that just don't trust their taste, but that's you yeah. just have to like. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, some people like I'll always trust their taste because it, um, it'll seem like they're coming from an earnest place. Like my sister, weirdly, if she's if she likes something, I'll trust it because she'll never she has no pretenses when it comes to movies or TV. Like she legit said she loved watching the movie, the the movie where Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz switch places. Uh, I forget. It doesn't matter. Oh, Any- Vanilla Sky? No, 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 no. no. That Kate, doesn't do Kate, that. Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet and who? Uh, Cameron Diaz. They switch homes. Oh, Holiday something with Jack Black and all yeah, that. Yeah, and, Ju- and Jude Law. I, was, I, I never saw it, but I know what you're talking about. Sorry, she, I don't know why I mixed that up with fucking Vanilla Sky. That was very bad. I mean. She was rewatching it on HBO, and I'm like, why are you rewatching this? I don't think we liked this. And she's like, yeah, but here's the thing. Kate Winslet has a lot of nice stuff. In this movie. Yeah, that's you're, you're going to be like, now I know how to judge your taste. Yeah. But the thing <laughs> is, like, she was completely earnest about it. Like, OK, the movie that came out recently with Scarlett Johansson, um, Rough Night. Right. Didn't she didn't want to watch it because we were passing by a billboard. I was like, oh, do you want to go see that? And she's like, no, I don't believe that those actresses in real life would hang out. That's her reason. <laughs> It's a fucking movie. I know, but she of just... Of course they don't. That's a job for them. But, like, <laughs> she... Like, if it seems like even remotely them acting like they're good friends was forced, she's she's already out. Well, I mean, I'll give her a little, like, if they can't make that chemistry work, that's just not going to work. But what a... That's a full... That's a whole, like, judging, judging a book by its cover. Yeah, well, <laughs> people do. That's I mean, insane. To me, literally I mean, judging me. a literally <laughs> judging a book by its cover. Wow! But you have to keep in mind, uh, audiences as a whole, they'll think about this stuff regardless of whether or not they know they think they're yeah. thinking about it. Like, um, I remember reading this crazy thing about an Uma Thurman movie that failed at the box offices, and the reason they think it did is because one, she had orange. One of the reasons which made me laugh was she had orange hair. And they're like, and that orange hair reminded audiences of her role as Poison Ivy, which was terrible. Oh, God. And I'm like. What was the movie? It was a movie. Oh, it did not do well. It was. Uh, she plays a single mom who's homely. I remember. And the poster had her like she's hold, she's sucking on a pacifier and she has glasses and she's supposed to be goofy looking and she has orange hair. No, probably just wasn't good, right? It, it looked terrible, but they're like, yeah, and the orange hair reminiscent of her as Poison Ivy. I think it might have been a critic struggling to fill 800 words, oh, but, gosh. Uh, but I was like, that's not too much of a stretch, though. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm not saying, I think you're probably, there is like with the the example of your friend, that definitely makes sense. There mm-hmm. are, people are going to judge things on whatever, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're different. We're just, we tend to look at the movies through a different scope. Yeah. And what's interesting about movies is that like, regardless, uh, a reaction is, oh, every, every opinion is weirdly valid. Cause it's your opinion. Yeah. I will always take like if that's what you like, then that's what you like. If that if you, that's why I don't like getting in fights about movies and, and mm-hmm. like, to win. I like if yeah. I hear someone like dislike something I like. Yeah, you're, you can't I change the mind. Just, I immediately just like just tell me why. Yeah, just tell me why because mm-hmm. if you tell me why, it's not going to change my mind. But I'm gonna I'm just fascinated. Yes. what I didn't see or how I didn't see it. Yeah, I I think I only read negative reviews of stuff because it's just so interesting to hear people break it down. For sure. I'll usually read a negative review of them. I'll use either a negative review of a movie I love mm-hmm. or the reverse where I'm like, I hate oh, that yeah. movie. Why are these people praising it? Because yeah. I just want to hear the counter. Yeah. Because I don't need to read an article that validates my opinion. One of my favorite <laughs> negative reviews is the ones that are really earnest and the person is legit trying to help the filmmaker. <laughs> ah, that's very funny. Like they were just like, um, your choices in script are confusing. It seems like they were rewriting it as they as they shot it. If you had wanted to do this film correctly, here's the following steps. And I'm just like, this person is earnestly just confused and like, what happened? But and wants to help. Yeah. It's not just like <laughs> another snooze fest from so-and-so. Another, uh, yeah. Because like most good, most even things that are bad have potential. Yeah. And if you can acknowledge at least like, hey, that could have been great. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There are, there's the exceptions where it is like, that was a train wreck from day one. But yeah. I don't think, even the big movies, I don't think that, I, everybody's going to work trying to make something yeah. good, right? Yeah. At least that's what I, I can assume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think for me, uh, like a movie can be technically bad, but I can love it if it fully commits to itself. But I think for me... um something that always makes me hate a movie right away is if you can see its intention. Yeah. Well, that's even if you can tell the writer, if you can feel the writer if you, present, if you can feel the writer present or the director, or if you could feel like, Oh, this scene was to suit this one political thing. And I'm oh, like, Oh yeah. fuck off. Well, I think in the end it becomes, that's like, now I don't know why, what's the story. How, if it, it like you said, it just takes you out of the story. Mm hmm. Like, um, yeah, anytime you see some sort of intention, it's just. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. So jumping off of that, because we got to wrap up soon. Oh, yeah. No, it's fine. I love this conversation. <laughs> what The big question I ask every guest is, uh, this podcast is for things I will watch. I will watch anything once. Mm-hmm. What is something that Connie, what are there things or a genre or specific? It can be as, as specific or broad as you want. What are, what are, is there something you will not watch or you avoid? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> what's strange is, considering we watch this, um, the one genre movie like I will never watch is, I think, romantic comedy. Okay. Why? It always feels disingenuous. Like, I love campy acting, but disingenuous, cutesy-style dialogue, mm-hmm. um, women that make dumb choices... Um, I just, I can never connect with those characters. Uh-huh. 
even TV shows too, like um, anything that might be classified as rom com. I'm like, I'll skip that. I I watch it and I'm just like, I catch myself thinking, I wonder what this person's really like. Right. Like the actual character. Yeah. Like I'm like, I wonder what they're like when no one's around. Like I need something a little grittier to latch on to. That's a great way to criticize them because a rom-com in a weird way is two hours even of, it's two hours of, of small talk of small talk or even characters doing what we naturally do on first dates yes. where we sort of have our guard up uh, and we only show a certain part of ourselves yes, yes. so that's what every, most rom-coms are they never put down the guard nope the movie ends before we get to that yeah no one has in the world of rom-coms no one has ever farted no one's ever <laughs> cursed. No one or ever... the fart is treated as something like cute and look. Yeah, at like that. the baby farted. Whoops. <laughs> you lied to me. It's just I can't stand it. Like I cannot. That's, that's... I will watch the saddest, darkest movie. Um, <laughs> I will watch the grossest movie. But give me a rom-com and it'll it'll be like torture. I get that. Like, there's no I'll, honesty in it. There's no honesty. Um, I don't trust them. It's people that even sort of talk like that in real life. I find myself infuriated with. Thanks for thank you. Um, Dave just turned on the light because <laughs> <laughs> we watched this at, is, du- yeah, at dusk, dusk, and it was progressively it was getting, getting darker and darker and darker. Um, but I was like, we need a light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I rom coms. I just cannot like even the TV show Friends. I as a kid, I had trouble watching because I was like. Why are these women acting like children? And yeah. it, I, I never connected with it. Um, any sort of character, it, there has to be some sort of angst. It feels more authentic to me. And uh, I'm sure to a degree that's di- probably disingenuous too. But yeah, it's just, yeah, it doesn't feel authentic. I'm not connected to it. And I can't, and very rarely in rom-coms do I feel like women are behaving to the very top of their intelligence i agree with that 100%. like even if they're the main character they'll make decisions where i'm like bitch no <laughs> <laughs> don't do this weird little test and like yeah. it's yeah and very often you've in those types of movies you'll find stereotypical roles oh yeah and so uh um, best friends always that stereotypical yeah there's uh diversity some, little card they want to put in there yeah <laughs> which always ends up feeling weirdly backwards yeah. And um very little edge in these rom-coms. Oh yeah. And so yeah, I I like this is recent, but I've been trying to embrace my feminine side. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to re-explore rom-coms and it has been like pulling teeth. So what's the last one you watched? Oh god. Um crap. That's okay if you can't think of it. You're blocking it out. You don't want PTSD from I your think, rom-coms. <laughs> I think um, I was the most I could ever possibly get into rom-coms would be maybe an Audrey Hepburn movie. Okay. Yeah. That's as far as I'll go. Which one are you thinking? Like um, Roman Holiday? Roman Holiday, My Fair Lady. Um, oh, okay. Uh, the the one where she's a model, um, funny face. Oh, okay, yeah, never seen it, but I know your time. But um, I'm trying to think of a uh, modern okay. rom coms, but well, I can't. I, okay, that's fine. Will you see the big sick? 
Because that is technically a rom-com, but it's getting ah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to see that. I think I'm going to be seeing it tonight. That's why. I'm, oh, cool. So. Yeah. Um, what's so funny is if The Big Sick, if that were a horror film, I feel like I probably would have seen it already. Ha <laughs> ha. That's great. And I did want to see it. So, um, yeah. So this is great. We have to wrap up. But mm-hmm. for our listeners, we've got an announcement to make. You're going to be hearing not only on this episode, Connie, but you're going to hear a lot more of her. Dun, dun, dun. Because <laughs> she's officially now my co-host, people. <laughs> she's going to be on as many episodes as we can schedule. But then um, going forward, we're going to start doing little sort of like shorter episodes where the two of us go watch movies that that sort of fit the criteria of that we will watch anything once mm-hmm. and discuss it. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be, I'm, oh, I can't wait. This is already a great kickoff conversation, I think, for that. And I think already it's fun to like have somebody that I'm going to be watching movies with that we don't just immediately match each other. (laughs) Like, like how boring would that be if I was like, the person across from me loves fucking the Marvel movies. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be an interesting mashup. I love it because you're a horror fan. That's a big thing. And I'm not. Yeah. So we're going to be pushing some, we're going to push each other's edges, I think. Yeah. And challenges. And I think that immediately I told me, I was like, it's going to be challenges on like, not only that, but like, Watching movies that we both consistently don't watch mm-hmm. to, for each other, mm-hmm. get each other to watch those ones, then go out there and like have little like I don't know, marathons like yeah. what's like of movies that we're like, well, let's give this a roll and see yeah. what happens. Yeah. So I think that's a treat for not only us, but uh-huh. also for our listeners. So yeah. for my listeners, please welcome Connie Shin because she's going to be here as a permanent staple. Of I will watch anything once. Thank you. <laughs> of course, I'm excited. Me too. Um, but thank you um, for introducing me to the Love Witch. You're very welcome. Um, and great, that's it. Thank okay. you. Um, and we'll we'll be hearing more from you. Yeah. <laughs> going forward. If you want more from Connie Shin, you can follow her on Twitter at that Connie Shin. Also, check out her wonderful mod team, Karate Karate, at the Upright Citizens Brigade in Los Angeles. They regularly perform once a month on Mod Night at UCB Sunset. They might perform more than that, so check out the calendar for the dates of their performances and grab tickets so you can see that great and super funny mod team. As well as Connie's going to be featured in a movie I do until I don't written and directed by Lake Bell so check your local local listings to find out when that movie will be hitting theaters again that is I do until I don't written and directed by Lake Bell and of course continue to listen to the podcast because there's going to be a lot more of Connie right here and you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at at IWWAO as well as the Facebook page we want to hear from you listeners about what movies we should watch and discuss so please Please hit us up in direct message or just tweet or Instagram message uh, comment at us. Um, we'll listen to our listeners and watch those movies that we possibly missed or avoided. Um, and you can also email at I will watch anything once at gmail.com. Look forward to hearing from our listeners and you can help out this podcast as well as many others on the Boardwalk Audio Network by clicking on that big button on the website that's in the corner that says support our artists. That will direct you to amazon.com. Just do your normal shopping and we get a small kickback. It costs you nothing 
but it helps all the great shows right here on the Boardwalk Audio Network. Thank you again for listening, and remember, if you haven't seen it once, you can't complain. I had frosted Cheerios, and for lunch I had uh, an egg scramble with spinach and tomato and a cheese sandwich with tomato. Nice. I haven't had lunch, and I can tell I need it. <laughs> I, I gave you some blackberries. Those were great. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.